Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Last week on the podcast, I introduced the idea of a trifold model of pastoral ministry. I asked you to imagine a triangle and to label each aspect of that triangle or each line of the triangle, uh, teaching, leading, caring. And I talked about how those are the three primary responsibilities of a person in pastoral ministry. Uh, Last week, I focused on uh, creating some balance between those areas, the importance of caregiving for every pastor, etc., Uh, As a result of that podcast, someone asked me this question. What's the difference between a church planting pastor and an existing church pastor? Or, in this student's perspective, how do I know if God is calling me to be a church planting pastor or if God is calling me to be a pastor of an existing church that maybe needs to be revitalized or certainly needs to be led uh, to grow and move into the future? So I have given this some thought over the years. As I've talked with a lot of different people about uh, how God might be leading them forward and help them to think through the process, I'm also uh, glad that there are really sophisticated assessment mechanisms that have been created in our generation of ministry. Uh, The North American Mission Board and some other church planting organizations have developed these assessment tools, and and they're very helpful. And so my podcast today, by no means attempts to uh, replicate that kind of uh, thorough and uh, complete process. But instead, as I often do, I want to give you some observations based on my experiences and my observations of other leaders. As most of you know, I was once a church planter. In 1989, our family, meaning my wife and I and our three children, all preschoolers, uh, moved from the Midwest to Portland, Oregon to plant a church. We planted a church that is today uh, named Pathway Church, and has grown to be one of the most significant and influential churches in the Pacific Northwest. So my church planting experiences were positive, and I felt like that uh, uh, they were a very worthwhile expression of my gifts and my uh, interests at the time. So I reflect on that experience, plus having talked with many others who've been grappling with that same issue. I also lay out this podcast today in another context, and that is today... Uh, church planting has become kind of a fad among uh, among ministry leaders. Now, I don't I don't want to be misunderstood here. Uh, I think church planting is extremely significant. All right, I did it. I believe in it. I train people to do it. But when I say it's a fad, I mean it's kind of become the cool thing to do. So if you're a church planter, uh, you're really uh, doing something remarkable or unique or or something that's a little more special or maybe a little more uh, important than other kinds of pastoral roles. And I have to say straight out, I reject that. Uh, I, I don't think that church planting is more important than pastoring existing churches or revitalizing uh, troubled churches. I think it's just a different expression of pastoral ministry. Certainly an important one, certainly a much needed one, but doesn't make a person better or isn't a, a, a more important calling than maybe these other responsibilities. So let's talk about this difference between church planting pastors and Uh, existing church pastors and sort of how you can think through which one you fit uh, best as you think about moving forward in ministry. First of all, there are some commonalities between church planting and church pastoring. I'll call it that. I'll, I'll label it that way for the podcast. Some commonalities. The first one is character issues. When the Bible lays out the primary qualifications for pastoral leadership, it always focuses on character. 
Uh, there's a little bit of mention of skill, able to teach, those kinds of things. Uh, there's certainly some examples in the New Testament of pastoral leaders giving strong leadership. But when the qualities are described, they're generally character qualities that are emphasized. And so whether you're a church planter or a church pastor, uh, you have to have the same strength of character. And then those threefold uh, aspects of pastoral ministry I mentioned last week, leading, teaching, caring. All three of those have to be evident in both church planters and church pastors. All three of them are important. Uh, and while no one of us ever strikes a perfect balance between the three, uh, all three have to be present in order to be effective in leading a church of any size or any kind in terms of giving it pastoral direction. So there are some commonalities, commonalities of character, uh, commonalities of skills. But what are some of the key differences? Well, let me list seven for you. Uh, first of all, church planters tend to be more entrepreneurial than people who are drawn to church pastoring. Now, what I mean by that is church planters like to make new things happen. Uh, they're willing to try things that have not been done before. Uh, they're willing to go into areas where there's no existing work or no existing church. Uh, they are entrepreneurial in that sense of wanting to do something new. Now, the downside of that is that church planters are also, also sometimes less stable. They like the new, but they have a hard time committing to something that goes on for a while and is sustained for a while. Now, this is particularly interesting to me because in the old days, let's say 30, 40, 50 years ago, a church planter was a person who went into a community, planted a church, stayed with it for maybe two to three years, reached a point of stability, and then turned it over to a pastor and then went to another community to do the same thing. You don't find that as much anymore. Today, you find people who want to plant churches, and then they want to morph themselves into the pastors of those churches and plan to stay there for a long period of time. Now, that can be done, but it really requires a very intentional change of direction and a very intentional modulation, if you will, of how you approach uh, pastoral ministry. You know, as a church planter, you have to be entrepreneurial. But then as you move into more of a pastoral type role over time, you have to be more stable and communicate that stability in your leadership styles and in your decision making. So people who are less entrepreneurial and drawn toward a more stable leadership environment may be drawn more toward pastoring than planting. A second difference is that planters uh, embrace risk. They are willing to do things that uh, maybe others are not quite willing to do. I know that when we decided to move from the Midwest to Oregon to plant the church, we were astounded, really, at the number of people in our church that we were leaving who tried to either talk us out of it or who marveled at our willingness to take such a profound or such a great risk in our lives. Now, we didn't view it that way. I mean, we were not leaving the United States. We weren't having to learn a new language. We weren't taking a, a huge financial risk in that we went with a funding package that was provided by our denomination and some local uh, sponsors and also the families, the two or three families that wanted to help start the church. So while there was some risk from our perspective, it really wasn't that much risk. However, from the other side, people who saw us going, uh, they felt like we were just stepping off the edge of the earth, that we were taking this huge risk for our family, huge risk for our finances, huge risk for our future. I remember one woman saying to my wife, I can't believe that you would take the risk of raising your children in that godless place. It's like, it's Oregon. It, 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 it is an unchurched place, but godless? Meh, that's a little bit of a stretch, we thought. 
But nevertheless, people saw us as taking huge risk to go and plant a church. Well, there is some risk in church planting because you are doing things that have never been done before and you're putting yourself out there in very vulnerable ways. The greatest risks for us were not the ones that were described for us as we left our former church. The greatest risk for us were having to daily risk public vulnerability, personal rejection, and uh, the possibility of ministry failure by going into the community and sharing the gospel with people, inviting people to our church, trying to build a structure, a church ministry that would be appealing to non-believers and want them to have an interest in the gospel because of what we did. That's where we felt the great pressure to take risks. And quite honestly, that's where the real uh, wearing down took place in our lives. It wasn't the moving across the country or moving into a new community or leaving behind the security of our former church. It was every single day waking up and knowing, I've got to put myself out there again today. I've got to take the risk to meet new people. I've got to take the risk to share the gospel. I've got to take the risk of planning services that I hope will be attractive enough that people will attend them. I've got to take the risk of doing these kinds of things. I've got to make programmatic decisions by myself without a committee or a team or really anyone around me to help me. I've got to constantly be putting myself out there. Now, uh, that's what church planters do. They take more risks. But on the negative side of that, they're able to do that because they frankly have less to lose. You know, church pastors are a little more cautious. Why? Because they have a lot more to lose. Church pastors typically have larger numbers of people that they're responsible for. They have facilities that have been paid for by others in the past and now have to be managed and maintained and preserved for future use. They have a reputation that's been established in the community that they don't want to mar or lose. And so church pastors do have, in a sense, more to lose than church planters. When I went to plant a church, uh, that first year when we had just a few dozen people gathering, if, if we had gone away, <laughs> nobody would have really even noticed. But today, these many years later, uh, the church that I planted is now iconic in the community. They have a beautiful campus. They open that campus regularly for community events. The Chamber of Commerce meets there. Uh, there are regular school, public school um, choir and musical programs in their facility. Uh, they've been very aggressive about reaching out to the community and extending ministry into the community. And so if something happened and that were lost, it would be a very noticeable and significant loss for that community. So, yes, the pastor who's in that church now uh, is less entrepreneurial and does embrace risk much more slowly because he has a lot more to lose. So if you're thinking about yourself, you simply have to ask on these, two, these first two points, am I more entrepreneurial or do I prefer a more stable leadership environment? Uh, do I embrace risk? Am I willing to keep putting myself out there day after day after day and am I willing to endure that vulnerability or... Uh, do I feel a little aversion to risk, but not so much so that I won't take some risk, but that I want to take a more measured and calculated perspective on that risk before I'm willing to do things that might jeopardize the reputation, rep jeopardize the facilities, or even jeopardize the ministry of, an ex of a church? Well, you ask those, answer those questions, and you'll figure out a little bit maybe about which one you should be in. So um, the... Uh, the th third one is planters thrive on new ideas. This is a difference. Uh, planters thrive on new ideas, uh, but they also get bored easily. <laughs> uh, church planters are always looking for the next new thing. Now, pastors of existing churches also like new ideas, but they recognize that they have to make multi-year commitments to things before anything consequential is going to change. 
For example, when I'm talking with a pastor of an existing church and they say, you know, we really want to shape the change the culture of our church in evangelism we really want to become much more focused on reaching our community we really want to help people to have that as the default perspective about how our church is supposed to connect or operate then i will ask in response what is your three to five year plan to make that happen uh, you, you don't just make an announcement in a large church or in an established church and expect it to all go a new direction all at once it takes focused, intentional implementation of an idea in order to make it happen. Whereas in a church plan, they thrive on new ideas. It's almost like the idea of the week. You know, what can we do this week? Well, we've done that. What can we do new next week? And you're constantly trying to find new ways to find that, uh, uh, that door of opportunity to get into your community with the gospel. And so church planning thrives on new ideas. Church pastors, well, uh, they recognize that new ideas are important, but in order to get them really implemented in an existing church, it's going to take a prolonged effort and a prolonged period of time. Number four, uh, planters love meeting new people. Uh, They thrive on it. Now, that doesn't mean that every planter has to be an extrovert, but it does mean that every planter has to thrive on meeting new people. Uh, For example, when we planted our church, we invented a new way for us, at least, of keeping attendance. Uh, We kept the attendance week to week, that's for sure, but we also kept a second attendance number. Uh, Every first Sunday of the month, we would make a list of everyone who was present in our worship service. Now, this worked for us until we got up to about 150, 200 people, but um, we would uh, take a computer printout when we were starting out, and there would only be 30 or 40, 50 people maybe, and we would go to that printout, we would check off every person who'd been there on the first Sunday, and we would work on it until we got the list, uh, a list of names that matched up to the head count from that previous Sunday. Then the following Sunday, we would take the attendance again. But we would also note how many new people came the second week that didn't come the first week. Now, they may have just been absent the first week because they were ill, or they may have not ever visited our church before. But nevertheless, no matter what reason, if they came the second week and they didn't come the first week, we made a separate list of those names as well. And we called, we added those names to the first week attendance, and we called that our cumulative attendance. And we would do this every month for the three or four Sunday, or the four or five Sundays of the month. Now, why do we do this? Because as a church planter, we knew that our lifeblood was not attendance. Our lifeblood was new people. You know, if you have 50 people coming every week and you're in a new church plant, uh, that may or may not be a good thing. If it's the same 50 four weeks in a row, your church plant is not going well. But if it's 50 people each week, but at the end of the month, you've had 80 or 90 different people come that indicates you're on a positive trajectory. And I'll take this one step further. In our church, we track this every month for the first few years. And here's what we discovered. While our attendance went up and down, as all churches do, now listen, we were able to track that every single month in our first two to three years, every single month, we had a a greater cumulative attendance than we did the month before, meaning that we knew that every month we were attracting new people to our church. Church planters thrive on meeting new people, so much so that they invent ways of measuring attendance and of keeping good records to make sure that they are always reaching out to new people. And without reaching out to new people, you know, even though your attendance may be stable, your new church plant is not going well in terms of reaching more and more people with the gospel. But church planters, while they thrive on meeting new people, also tire of problem people pretty quickly. 
And when I say problem people, I don't mean just the negative carping critic that is obviously a problem person. What I mean is the person who's simply needy or draining or needs from the church what has to be given over a prolonged period of time. Pastors recognize that churches have all kinds of people. And once you reach new people, those people have to be cared for and ministry to them has to be sustained. Um, It's always interesting to me that when new churches start, for example, on college campuses or near college campuses, there's often very little thought given to children's ministry or preschool ministry or anything like that until the first three to five years go by and those church planting families all start getting married and then babies start coming. And then suddenly the church is calling my wife and saying, can you please come and give us a consultation on developing a church preschool? We never thought about this before. Because now this new church plant is turning into a church and it's recognizing that it's going to have, quote, problem people, meaning six and eight week old babies who have to be cared for, diapered, walked and fed. And so those people now have to be cared for. And guess what? It's not just one time need. They're going to be here every Sunday. Pastors recognize this. They recognize that church is about sustained ministry, not about just meeting new people and introducing them to faith in Jesus. So while church planters thrive on meeting new people, they tire quickly from problem people or from people who are going to require a continuing, ongoing, in a sense, draining ministry from their efforts of reaching new people. But pastors recognize, no, we want to keep reaching new people, but pastors actually thrive on developing strategies that touch the whole ministry of a church. And that leads me to another difference, and that is that planters... Uh, connect well with target with a target audience instead of all ages and needs. For example, when we moved to uh, plant our church in Oregon, we had a very specific target of people that we were trying to reach. We were trying to reach people that were between 25 and 40, mostly married, who lived in what was a suburban area of Portland, Oregon, and had uh, very similar interests related to outdoors activities, sport activities, and focus on their children and school activities. That's who we knew we were trying to reach. Um, Early on in our church plant, an older couple visited our church. They were in their 70s. Uh, They came on a Sunday, they observed all that was happening, and uh, I met them and established a bit of a relationship with them and discovered that they were what I would describe as old-time Baptists. Uh, They had been in Baptist churches for about 50 years. The man had been a deacon, the woman had done every kind of leadership role imaginable. These were the kind of rock-solid people that God's kingdom has been built on over the generations. A little surprise, though, to see them at our church. We were meeting in a public school, very contemporary-style worship, definitely a very targeted and focused ministry on that age group that I just mentioned. They came back the second Sunday, and I got acquainted with them a little more. And so that Sunday, I asked if I could make an appointment to come by and visit with them, and I did so. I never will forget this visit. I went into their home, sat down, uh, a modest but comfortable home, Uh, of two people who had devoted their lives to serving the Lord, raised their family in church, done all the things you could hope that they would do, rock-solid people. And the woman looked at me and said, well, Pastor, we, we just have one question about your church. And I said, okay. And she said, is there a place in your church for people like us? Now, we were just a few weeks old when she asked me that question, and I realized what a crucial question this was. And so I said, Yes, 
Everyone is welcome at our church, but you must understand we are specifically targeting non-Christians, young couples, and families, and that's who our church is going to be built for. So while we welcome you to our church, I'm not sure that we can really promise that we can accommodate a ministry to you that's really going to meet your needs. And she smiled and looked over at her husband. He smiled back, and she said, uh, well, that's exactly what we hoped you'd say because we're at a point in our lives where we realize church isn't for us anymore. We want to build a church for the next generation. If it's okay with you, we'd like to join your church and just help out. We want to become a part of what the future's going to hold. Well, listen, that made my heart sing because this couple recognized that our church really was going after a target audience. Now, we welcomed all ages, and we were willing as best we could in our embryonic years to try to meet all needs. But we weren't going to dissipate our energies trying to be all things to all people. We were going to really focus on doing the one thing we really felt like we had to do, which was reach unbelievers in a certain target audience and then try to build a church from that base. Now, pastors of existing churches really have a more general approach to reaching the people in their community. Uh, most, gener- most existing churches have a ministry that it touches preschoolers and children and senior adults and young adults, and they recognize that they live in a community and then they're in a community with a, that may have a, 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 a much broader need for ministry than a church plant is able to have. And so, again, if you're a person who says, well, I really want to reach a certain segment of the population, or I feel really gifted or capable of reaching these kind of people, then maybe church planting is for you. But if you say, no, I, I really don't see myself doing that. I, I, I like senior adult ministry. I like young adult ministry. I, I want to see a church that has more of a global perspective on reaching all the people of its community and building from its, from its uh, ministry base that it's already established to reach out in various venues and ways. Then maybe pastoring is more your calling. Well, finally, I would tie into that by saying that church planters are often more one-dimensional than valuing or accomplishing the total ministry of a church. Now, every church plant tries to do a total ministry. They want to do discipleship and worship and and missions, and and I get that. But church planters tend to be a little out of balance, and I know I was. We tend to be a little out of balance on evangelism. Why? Because if we don't evangelize the lost, we're not going to build a church. Uh, The old idea that you're going to colonize Christians and call that a church plant has long been rejected by missiologists and by anyone who understands how the kingdom of God really expands. It is not an effective church plant to gather 100 Christians from 10 other churches and call that a new church. That's just a colonization program to collect members who are dissatisfied at other places. A true church plant goes into the community with the gospel and shares that gospel message so that people come to faith in Jesus, they're baptized and launched on a discipleship process. And so if that's going to happen, most church planters are a little bit one-dimensional. They find themselves gravitating always toward evangelism. And while they're all about discipleship and worship and fellowship and mission, and they want to do those things, those things really they recognize are a result from or an outgrowth of being effective evangelists in a community. Well, certainly church pastors of existing uh, congregations have to be evangelistically focused. There's no question about that. But they also recognize that their ministry has to be more multidimensional than one-dimensional. It has to be a little more fully orbed and fully orbed from the beginning of their service. So 
I started out by saying that church planters and church pastors have some commonalities of character and skills. But there are some differences. Planters tend to be more entrepreneurial. They are a little bit less stable because of that. Pastors tend to be a little more stable and a little less willing to embrace the, every new idea. Planters thrive on new ideas, but that means they also get bored easily. But church pastors recognize that when a new idea comes along that's really legitimate, it's going to take three to five years to really implement that in a way that it changes the direction of their church. And they're willing to make that investment of time. Church planters embrace risk because they have less to lose. But pastors recognize that while risk is always a part of ministry, when you have a lot more to lose, you have to be really careful that you risk in the right ways. Church planters love meeting new people. Uh, they thrive on it. Pastors, well, they like new people as well, but they also enjoy the longevity of relationships that comes with settling in with a people over a prolonged period of time. And because they love meeting new people, church planters tend to be more one-dimensional. They are really focused more on evangelism, and that tends to be a little bit out of balance, as it, I will say, needs to be in a church plant in order for a church plant to really be successful. And because they're a bit one-dimensional, they, they don't really fully grasp how to build a total multi-dimensional church ministry like pastors need to know how to do. And that is, pastors, con and, that mean, and planters then connect well, often with a target audience. They are out of a particular uh, cultural milieu, and they feel really uh, capable of reaching people in that same milieu, and so they go after them. And that's not a bad thing, but church pastors recognize that ministry has to be a little more fully orbed for the whole community over a prolonged period of time if a church is really going to be uh, successful. Well, those are some of the differences. Now let me wrap it up with two questions. One question that I often ask people who come to me and say, should I be a church planter or a church pastor, is this. I say, which set of problems do you want to solve? Now, my first pastorate was a healthy tradition, uh, traditional church in the Midwest, uh, and I had a whole set of problems to solve there in order to get that church moving forward and to reaching people and to doing the ministry that it was assigned in the community. That was one set of problems. When I became a church planter, I had a whole different set of problems to solve. Now, which set of problems do you want to solve? Three things I'd observe about answering that question. Number one, planting and pastoring are both hard. One is not easier than the other. One is not harder than the other. They're both hard. And second, planting and pastoring have unique challenges. Each one has some different challenges that come with the task. And you can go back to that list of differences I gave earlier, and you can identify what some of those challenges are for each one of these roles. And planting and pastoring have different goals. So when you're thinking about, should I be a church planter or a church pastor? Should I invest myself on a church planting team, or should I join a church and join a church staff and become a part of a pastoral team? Well, ask yourself, which set of problems do I want to solve? Both are hard, both have unique challenges, both have different goals. Make a decision about which one of those you feel like you're, most, you're best equipped to solve and most called to solve, and then get busy. And then the last question is this, which is more important, planting or pastoring? Now, I've already given the answer away in the beginning of the podcast when I said that I think they're both equal responsibilities, but let me give you a couple of other ways to think about that. For a long time, I coached Little League Baseball. And, of course, in Little League, um, everybody wants to pitch or catch or play shortstop. They think those are the most important positions. And, quite honestly, uh, those are important positions. But in order to break through that kind of thinking, I would always start every season by having a team meeting and saying to the parents and the boys, uh, asking them this question, 
which is the most important position on the field? And hands would shoot up and someone would say, pitcher, catcher, shortstop. And I would say, okay, those are good answers, but that's not the right answer. What's the most important position on the field? The right answer is the one you're playing. Because if you don't do your job, the rest of the team will not be able to do theirs. And if you don't do your job, you'll let the rest of the team down. So the most important position on the field is the one you're playing. So I would use that illustration, and I would transfer it over to the issue of church planting or church pastoring this way. I would say, which one of those is most important for you? I would say, it's the one God assigns you to do. And when he assigns you that responsibility, you need to get busy doing it. So if he says, I've made you to be a church pastor, don't lament that you're not a church planter. If he says you're to be a church planter, don't think of yourself as superior to church pastors. Listen, the most important role you can play in God's kingdom team is the position he assigns you. Get busy doing it. So church planting, church pastoring, they're both vital. We need both kinds of leaders and we need people to join both kinds of teams. This podcast will help you to sort out maybe which one you fit best. When you've discovered that, get busy and lead on.